0: I'm going to ask, if you will, if you have a copy of God's Word, the Bible, please turn with me to the book of Matthew tonight, Matthew chapter 20. While you're turning to Matthew 20, just uh, let me say a few words, if I may, about the table. And uh, we are, as, as Pastor mentioned, and we were, we're so thankful to be able to be here for tonight's special Tuesday night Bible A conference, uh, almost like a revival month that y'all are having. It's our wonderful privilege. One of the things we we would ask of you is to pray for us. Um, You can follow us online at stevepettit.com. It's that simple, stevepettit.com. And uh, our ministry is really uh, uh, primarily a church ministry, a local church ministry. But as I mentioned, we're doing multiple concerts and events and conferences and so forth. And we would like you to pray for us. You can go online and follow us. Of course, we have all the social media, Instagram, Facebook. The fact, is your pastor not? We just actually got up to speed of communication by, by cell phone because we've been, we've been DMing each other through Twitter. So uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, our table out in the lobby uh, has a number of things there that you may find yourself interested in and we have eight different books that I've written uh, over the last decade that were written for the intention of helping people disciple people through the Bible. It's actually an expositional approach and so generally they're 10-week studies. They're excellent for personal studies, Sunday school classes, discipleship groups, and it's actually, a, it's actually a meaty approach to studying the Bible. So uh, here's a couple of books I did. This is called A Study in the Book of Psalms, Encountering God. And we studied ten psalms. Uh, this one is probably the most important one that I've ever done. It's called Walking in the Spirit. How do you walk in the Spirit according to what Paul says in the book of Galatians? So if you're interested, the books will be there tonight after the service. They're $8 apiece. And so if you're you're interested, the team will be there. And also, uh, we do not have people ask us, do you have a a CD available or a recording available? The answer is no, we don't. Uh, We are going to be doing one the first week of January. And so we do have a CD on the table for, uh, for probably five or six years. We had a group travel out of Bob Jones called BJU Grass. A number of these young people were on that group. And we did a recording a few years ago called... Uh, Wherever you are, BJU Grass, all gospel bluegrass. So if you're interested, all of this will be on the table tonight after the service. If you don't buy our books and CDs, we love you. If you buy our books and CDs, we love you a little bit more. So uh, stop by. The group will be there tonight after the service. Tonight, we're going to look in God's Word in the book of Matthew, chapter 28. This is a very interesting passage of Scripture. The mother of John and James comes to Jesus and makes a very unusual request. And she said, When you're sitting in your, on your throne in your kingdom, would you let my boy sit on either side of you? And of course, she did not know what she was asking uh, because she was asking for something that it was not for Jesus to give. And she was also not really understanding what it takes to be, in a sense, in that position in the church of God because the next time we see uh, two men on either side of Jesus, it was when he was on a cross and there were two thieves on either side of him. And I'm sure James and John thought about that. But Jesus never rebuked his disciples for wanting to be involved in leadership and service. He never rebuked them. He always encouraged them. That's a good lesson for us to learn. Do not discourage people from serving the Lord. But then he tells you how to serve him. And I want to look tonight at this passage of scripture and I want to focus my attention tonight on a theme entitled The Need to Lead. We're reading tonight in verse 25. And Jesus said, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and, that they, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as, just as, just like the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. Would you bow your head with me, please? Father, we thank you for your word tonight, and I do pray that you will bless it. Bless bless it to our hearts and challenge and stir our hearts. And Lord, especially with this tremendous need to lead. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus had 12 disciples through which and of which He was establishing a foundation for the future of the church and that foundation was built upon these men who would become leaders in the church. Last night I was down in Anderson, South Carolina at a South Carolina barbecue. You ever been to one of those? And it was a political barbecue. There's no way to be a politician in South Carolina without eating barbecue. And at this Particular meeting. It was put on by the local U.S. Congressman here, Mr. Jeff Duncan. And he had special guests speaking there. U.S. Senator Tim Scott was there. Uh, scheduled to be there was Governor Ron DeSantis from the state of Florida. And he could not come because they got a hurricane coming in. So he did the next best thing. He sent his wife, and she was as good a speaker as he was. It was a political rally. We all, by the way, that's rain if you want to know. Uh, I'm glad you're in God's house, amen? And, uh, And as we attended that event last night, the purpose of it was to recognize the need of leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. The future of anything and everything is based on leadership. Leadership makes the difference. It makes the difference in the country, in the church, in the workplace, in the school, and in the family. Everything rises and falls on leadership. So what is a leader? Perhaps you're here tonight, you say, well, preacher, you're not talking about me because I don't feel like I'm a leader. That's somebody else. No, that's not somebody else. That's you. What is a leader? Well, let me ask you a question tonight. Who was the world's greatest leader? Who was it? Tell me. Jesus Christ was the world's greatest leader. He taught us. He was telling us here what it means to be a leader. What then did Jesus come to do as a leader? Jesus stated clearly that he was not like the leaders of this world. For the leaders of this world are interested in power, authority, and top-down control. If you don't think so, go to Russia, and you will discover. And Jesus said, look, that's the way the world rules. It was that way 2,000 years ago, and it is that way today. But Jesus said that is not the way it is to be among the people of God. For it is not about a power, it's not about authority, and it it's not about top-down leadership. It is about something different. What did Jesus Christ come to do as the world's greatest leader? What did he come to do? He tells us in verse 28, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ showed himself as the world's greatest leader because he came to be our Savior. That's what a leader does. He rescues. He delivers. He redeems. He solves problems. He fixes things that are broken. I used to be asked all the time when I was the president at Bob Jones, what do you do as the president? And my answer was always the same. Fix stuff. <laughs> That's what a leader does. Jesus was called to be our Savior. He is a shepherd of sheep What does the shepherd do? He feeds the sheep. He leads the sheep. He guides the sheep. He guards the sheep. He protects them. He provides for them. And when he gave the greatest story about a shepherd in the Bible, what did that shepherd do? He had a hundred sheep in his fold, But one of them went astray. And what did he do? He went after that sheep to take care of it, to save it, to deliver it, to rescue it. That is what a leader does. A leader is a savior. I have, preacher, only only five grandchildren. Why? Because every grandparent wants another one. I have four boys. They all come from the same mother. The oldest is eight. The youngest is four. Can you imagine what it's like to be that mother? You know what her job is all day long? My daughter-in-law, her name's Bethany. Her job all day long is saving her boys because they would kill themselves if she was not there. That's... What a leader does. He is a savior. He is a problem solver. The greatest problem in the world is sin. And Jesus came to save us from our sins. He is a leader. He came to fix the problem. He came to reverse the curse. The first man Adam messed it up. He broke it. The second man Jesus came to fix it. He came to undo what Adam did. And so that. What a leader does. He is a problem solver. He fixes broken things. We had a young man that worked for us over on campus. His name was Lucas Darling. And he was a high techie dude. And I am a low techie dude. And so we were moved in our house a number of years ago and My wife wanted a big flat screen TV up on the wall in the living room. Well, the last person she was going to call on was me. And so I started hunting around who can help me, and I found Lucas. I said, Lucas, can you help me? And I said, I I got to get this TV up. I, I, I need your help. Can you help me? He said, sure, I can help you. And so he came over, and it took him a while. It was a little complicated. If it was complicated for him, it would have never been up in a million years if it had to do with me. So he got it up, and, man, it worked like a gem. And every time I see Lucas, I love Lucas. You know why? Because he saved me. Well, a few weeks, a number of weeks ago, that TV broke. I thought they were supposed to laugh from henceforth now and forevermore. And I guess who I called up, Lucas. I said, Lucas, I got a problem. He came over, and he said, uh, he said, well, let me check. He said, after he checked, he said, yep, your TV's dead. He said, well, how old is it? I said, oh, it's about seven years old. He said, well, you're doing good. It lasted seven years. So he, we got my wife, and he went down to Costco, and they bought a new TV, and we had it shipped to my house, and. I said, Lucas, can you set it up? And he came in, and he set it up, the whole thing, in like 45 minutes. It would have taken me 45 years. I would have still been wandering in the wilderness. And so he, he fixed my problem. Well, we, the team has a van that we travel in, and uh, it's, got, it's got a lot of electrical components in it. It's not, that's pretty close. Pastor, that, that looks like one of those domes that's supposed to be covered. All right, well, that was interesting. You know, you never know what's going to happen when you preach. Are we still good to keep going? All right, keep going. Can, I, can, the, can the crowd get your composure back? Okay. Uh, so anyway. Uh, by the way, I've had a whole lot worse happen in, in, in meetings, believe me. So uh, that wasn't too bad. That was God's power being on display. <laughs> so anyway, my short story is that I, I texted Lucas. I said, Lucas, I got, I got an issue. I, I don't have anybody in our group that can fix a problem. No Savior's here. So can you help me? So before the service tonight, he texted me. He said, yep, I'll come and I'll help you. Now, to me, he's a leader in the technology world. You know why? Because he fixed my problem. What does a savior do? He fixes what is broken. He rescues what is lost. He liberates what is enslaved. He heals what is sick. He seeks what is lost. He binds up what is wounded. He comforts what is depressed. He helps those that are in need. This is what Jesus is telling the disciples. It's not about power. It's not about control. It's not about authority. It's about serving. It's about fixing. It's about giving of your life. And so tonight, let me give you very quickly just three distinguishable qualities of leadership. Because everybody in this room is going to be a leader. And we all ought to want to be a better leader. The first quality of a true leader, is that a leader has a sense of conviction about what he believes. He is committed to something. He is passionate about it. He has given his life to a mission. What does the Bible tell us here in verse 28? Even as the Son of Man came, when Jesus Christ came into the world, he came on mission. We know that when he was 12 years old because his mother and father found him in the temple after he had been separated from them for three days and they couldn't find him. And he was in the temple and there he was carrying on a conversation with the Jewish leaders and the scholars. And the mother asked him, Mary said, where have you been? He said, mother, don't you know I must be about my business? He was a young man at 12 years old on a mission and a passion. What is a leader? A leader is one who has come on mission. Jesus Christ came to give himself for us. Behind every leader, you'll find a conviction, a belief, a commitment to a mission. In the United States Army's training manual, leadership is defined as this. It is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. Let me give it to you again because this is a great definition. Here's what leadership is. Leadership is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. What is behind a leader? It is the belief that a mission has to be accomplished. Something has to be done. Something has to be won. Why do things die? Because people lose vision for the mission. Something has to be fixed. Something has to be built. Something has to be helped there is a commitment, there is a conviction about a mission, and that mission has to be accomplished. And let me say this, that somebody who is committed to a mission shows the humility of their heart. You say, how can you say that? Because humility is not somebody who thinks less of themselves. That's just a passive, aggressive way of being proud. You're not humble because you think less of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourselves. Humility is not thinking about yourself. Whatever organization I've been involved in, we were all in leadership, committed to a mission. When we came in the front door, we always said, whatever pride you got, leave it outside. Because we've come in here and we have a mission to fulfill. Paul said, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Humility is being committed to a mission and putting others around you before you. Fact is, what makes a person a good leader is that his passion is the success of everybody else. It's everybody else. The mission, the purpose, the cause. What is behind being a leader, therefore? You have to believe in something. You have to have convictions. You have to be committed to something passionately. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he said to his own disciples, as they were getting ready to partake of the Last Supper, the Passover meal, he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's such an interesting phrase. With desire... I have desired. What does that mean? It's it's two words trying to grab the intensity of his heart with desire. He always had desire. With desire, I have desired. I'm all in. I'm total 100%. I've given my heart and my passion to this. No one ever has ever accomplished anything great half-heartedly. And let me say this. A church can lose its heart. It can lose its fizz. I grew up drinking Coca-Cola. And everybody knows what four-day-old flat Coke tastes like. It's lost its fizz. The passion for the church is to be the passion that God has for the world. Nothing was ever done great without enthusiasm. So leaders are people of conviction and deep in their soul, they hate status quo. We must keep moving forward while we have time. We work while we have the time for there comes a time when no man can work. Number one, he's a person of conviction. Number two, a genuine leader is a person of courage. Would you note the text, it says in verse 28, even as the Son of Man came, that's his mission, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life. Think of the courage that it took for Jesus Christ to give his life knowing that he was going to go through the brutality and the abuse and the constant attacks upon him throughout his life that he would be nailed to a Roman cross and suffer the worst death known to mankind in that day. And what do we learn? We learn from the courage of Christ to give his life that leadership does not come without a price tag. It is never developed on the couch. It's never found in following the crowd. It's not given to those who want everybody to like them. Leadership does not come without a price tag. And that's why a lot of people shun or move away from being leaders. Because why? Because it takes courage. What are some of the risks of being a leader? It's risky business. Number one, the first risk is the potential of failure. Do you know you can't be a coach without losing games? You can't be a teacher without losing some students. You can't be in a relationship without the possibility of having your heart broken. You can't be a pastor without having some of the sheep bite you back. But it is better to try and not not succeed than to try nothing at all. One man said it this way, What is the point of being alive if you don't at least try to do something remarkable? What kind of courage did it take for David to stand in his own peers and in front of him is a giant named Goliath And knowing he was calling one man out to come and fight, and nobody had the courage to go out but David. But even when he put himself on the line, it was risky business. Why? Because there were people there who he could fail. And there were people there that didn't want him to do it because they didn't want to be showed up. Being a leader is risky business. Why? Because there's the potential of failure. There's the potential of rejection. Guaranteed leadership leads to various forms of rejection. Think of it. Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. That, to me, is an amazing thing. Because how many have come unto their own, and for whatever reason, their own received them not? Not. Pilate said, what shall we do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they said, let him be crucified. To be a leader means that you are willing, you are willing to suffer rejection. And then let me also say number three, their third risk is the problem of making improvements. You know, everybody wants things to be improved unless, you want, unless somebody else wants what you're doing to be improved. The problem of improvement is it can make the past look bad. And you're not wanting the past to look bad. To make improvement today simply says that you're. it doesn't say that what you did yesterday was wrong. It didn't say that you made a mistake. It just means we're improving. Aren't you glad things have improved? That you can go out and buy an air conditioner and turn this place into 70 degree weather? But what does it mean? It means that when you seek to make things improve, you're simply serving your generation. You know, the Bible says that David served his generation by the will of God. And every generation needs new leadership to face the demands of the day. We cannot live in the past. We're living in a dream world. We live in the real world. The real world is right now. And a leader has to constantly make improvements. Listen again to the Army definition of leadership it is the process of influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation to accomplish them, to to accomplish the mission, and to improve the organization. Everything can get better processes, methods, procedures policies, facilities. There is only one thing that doesn't need to be improved upon and that is the truth. Everything else can get better. You can get better. You need to grow in the Lord. There are a lot of you sitting in this room that are younger than me, but there's some of you that are my age. And we all need to get better spiritually. We all need to grow. We don't want to coast into heaven. We want to run into heaven. A leader wants to leave things better off than when he arrived so that the next leader can move things forward from where they are to where they need to go. That's a leader. And the world is crying out today for principled leaders, people who are committed with conviction and people who are willing to show courage. And then finally, the third element of real biblical leadership is a leader is one who has great compassion for we find behind the words of verse 28 even as the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many a ransom was the price to be paid to release somebody from debt and Jesus came into the world out of love and compassion if I've learned anything in my ministry, I've learned this. That in, in the end, love always wins. Love has never lost. When Jesus saw the multitudes, and over and over throughout the New Testament, one of the, one of the most distinguishable emotional qualities of Jesus was that he was moved with compassion whether he saw the people as sheep without shepherds whether he saw a weeping mother whose son had just died whether he saw a man in leprosy out of the out of the depths of his own bowels he was moved emotionally to help people everybody wants a leader who cares I learned it years ago. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And a real leader, people feel from that person that there is compassion, there is care, there is love. It's it's not about how tough you are or how nice you are. It's how much you care. And when Jesus came into the world, he came on a mission of love to give himself a ransom for many, that's a leader. And the need today, the need is to lead. I think of your church here as you're finishing up this month of special Tuesdays, as challenges going into the fall, and the great need in this church is is not one leader. It's not one leader. (laughs) Nothing today is done today by one leader. That's, That's a dream world. It's done by multiple people in the church who have conviction, commitment, they're willing to show courage, and they have compassion. And in the ministry God gives you, you can make a difference, and you can be a leader, and things can move forward, and the mission that God has given you can be fulfilled. May God grant you leaders, Male, female, young people lead.